Hamilton is the purest translation of the 2015 Broadway smash hit, two screens in 2020, no streaming on Disney+. Plus. But does the show throw away its shut, or is the world going to know its name? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. This is Popscorn. Welcome to Popscorn, the Final Entertainment Movie Review Podcast. Jesus Christ, we've got a film to review. I know. Oh, this feels good. This feels so good. Well, kind of. Yeah, like we literally had to have a discussion about what you classify this thing as, like, ten seconds before we started recording, because is it a film? Well, not really. It's more of a, you know, stage performance, but it's a live recording that they've then interspliced with pickup shots as if it was a film but it's not even a theatrical release because it's on Disney Plus like a year in advance, which is mental. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very confusing thing to categorise, but the only thing we can call it is a musical, Darren. Like, imagine if all those times that your Christmas play at school was recorded, only this time it has higher production values and other people actually want to see it instead of being forced to. Yeah, for many people, this is actually going to be the first time they get to see a show they have wanted to see for fucking years, because I know that was the case for me. Yeah, it's well, we we tried a few times to go and, and watch it in London, but oh, those prices. Yeah, like I was I, I didn't see the Book of Mormon the last time it came round. And I'm glad I didn't, because if I had bought tickets, it would have been called off due to the covid anyway. Yes, it would. But like even they at the Birmingham Hippodrome, were outpriced for the shit seats. Mm. I, I cannot begin to imagine how expensive the tickets are for Hamilton when it opened on the West End. And to that extent, how much, you know, it was on the original 2015 through 2017, 2018 Broadway run. I think It was so. there a while. Yes, I think it's still there. I don't think it's rolled out yet. I still think, because obviously they... they um... They cycle through different casts of it, and they say, "Oh, it's a new version," but it's it's really not. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's still it's still going. It's still on Broadway. I don't think if it makes the amount of money this does, uh, I don't think it's ever going to stop being there. I mean, Lion King's been in London for how many years? Fucking yonks, mate! Yeah, like that's be been there on, forever. Yeah, twenty years that's been here. So easily, yeah, that ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Speak. I mean, the, the Lion King is an incredible stage show as well, and this very much does follow in those shows' footsteps in being quite the spectacle. Um, I purposefully never. The only song I'd heard before this, or the only clip I had seen, was the first song, and after that, I was like, right, I know I'm going to like this, so I'm not going to listen to anything else. I'm not going to watch anything else. I want to see this in person. And then obviously the world ended. So mm-hmm. thanks Disney for bringing me not only a, an accessible version of this incredibly hard to see show, but the original Broadway cast as well. That's, that's fantastic. It really is. And it has now apparently negated all need for this to be turned into an actual film. Yeah. We'll have that discussion later. Cause I want to talk about the film with the film, the production first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you couldn't tell, I really enjoyed this. I I uh, I was kind of half in, half out. Um, now I didn't see it in ideal situations. It must be said, because uh, we decided that you know we were going back to now we can kind of go in people's homes and stuff a little bit. Um, uh, my girlfriend's mom and dad, well, her mom specifically, loves a lot of musicals, and they decided they wanted to watch this together. We went round their house where for the past five years I've been telling them to get new internet because it's not good. And then all the shock and horror when Hamilton... I mean, Disney Plus is not great on PlayStation 4 anyway. It is very spotty. Even at my house where I've got good internet, we occasionally can't get even The Simpsons to load all the way through properly without at least one stall. It stalled every five minutes and it occasionally just turned itself off. So... We, oh. It took us two hours to get to intermission. 
at which point I, I shot down any attempts at going, oh, we'll just give it one more try. I just said, no, we're going. We, we'll try again. So um, we then reconvened a few nights later without them because they somehow managed to finish the film. Apparently it took them four hours all told to get it watched. We, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, decided against that and just watched the second half um, a few days later. So not an ideal situation. I didn't get to see it all the way through and maybe some of the songs at the start were a little spoiled because they were a bit juddery. Um, mm. But I, hmm, I I was kind of half in, half out for reasons that we'll talk about in this review. That's fair enough. Uh, just to come off the back of that, uh, Hamilton is the first film I've watched in 4K, so that's good. Because mm. um, I upgraded my TV, I badgered my fiance into because uh, she, she's on O2 with a phone and they're like as as an incentive to sign up they gave like new customers six months of Disney Plus. Um, this was like at the start of the year and now sort of like halfway through this year they've gone right existing customers can also get six months of Disney Plus free. I was like we need we need this. This is a thing I need access to. You don't know how much Clone Wars I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I also wanted to watch Hamilton real fucking bad. So we finally watched it last night. Um, I watched it in 4K with HDR on. And because we watched it so late at night, the speed was just incredible. I must say, actually, Disney Plus runs really well on both my smartphone and the Xbox One. Mm. I, I, I've not tried it on the PlayStation 4, Darren. I'll have to do that. But seen as... Currently, the Xbox One is the only one that can chuck out a 4K signal with uh, HDR10. That was my choice to run it, basically. No, that makes um, sense. But I'll, I'll have to try it on PlayStation 4 to see if I can corroborate the issues. But no issues on Xbox One. It's really good on that. Oh, my Xbox One's upstairs. I can't bother to move it back down. I mean, when we go back to normality, they will be switched around, and maybe then we'll have a good disney plus viewing experience but i mean usually the xbox one is much is further behind like the wwe network on xbox does not work it has never worked and continues to not work so do you, do you have the original model though uh the I one don't... that requires connect no we haven't got that one because mm. I'm, I'm using that old digital one s and uh, that's right that's fucking lightning quick mate it's real good well there we go um, but yeah, so we, we had slightly different views. I did watch it a week ago as well, so it's not as fresh in my memory, and I made no notes on it. But um, yeah, like I said, it was... I, for, for, for a kickoff, I didn't know it was in the Les Mis vein of musicals, where everything is a song. Yeah, it is borderline an opera. Um, I mm. didn't know that either. I, like I said, I heard what I heard the opening number before watching the movie, and that was it. Um yeah, it is. It's very operatic, not only in the way that it presents the action between songs and also the songs themselves, how they move forward and add context and are not just languishing on a single moment. If mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like there, there is an, there's two songs in the first act, both of which depict like multiple battles each. It, it moves at quite the pace considering its length. Like it's a long production. Yeah, it's. Well, that's, now that was part of my problem, in that I felt it was both... It was quite long. Again, I didn't watch it in ordeal circumstances. I naturally extended it a little bit, but it was quite long. But it also feels like it's just going at a lightning pace in order to cover the vast majority of Alexander Hamilton's life. Um, mm. And I think, well, okay, the, the positive of the all-singing stuff... What it has over Les Mis, which admittedly I've not seen live, I've only seen the film adaptation of, which I've been told many times. It's the worst one, yeah. Yes, it's not the ideal situation to be watching Les Mis in. I feel like the songs are quite samey in Les Mis, whereas this uses quite a lot of different styles. An absurd amount of different musical stylings are using this from uh, battle rap to normal rap to jazz to kind of more traditional musical songs to comedy songs. It's a bit of spoken word stuff it's it's all over the shop which does actually help i think it really does although the motifs do repeat quite heavily mm. and i think they do a good job of actually making those motifs stand out so the like every other song opens with that because it's going back to um aaron burr's character sort of like narrating what's going to happen next mm-hmm. um I'll, I'll come back to burr in a moment because there's a lot I really liked about how they framed um, Burr in this, but you know the the sort of the Destiny's Child esque um, songs of like the three women, 
mm-hmm. I thought was like a really strong way to interject them into different ones. Um, like you say, the battle rap for the um, the debating scenes in Act Two, mm-hmm. fuck, that's good. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised just how much all of that gelled together and yeah. also didn't get stale. Right. Like, especially because with motives, like they can get stale the longer it goes on. And this is like a two hour, 30 two hour, 40 production. So it's, mm-hmm. it ain't short. So you'd think by the, the fourth or fifth time you're hearing, you think, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, just give us something new, but you don't, they pace it out really quite well. So that every time you hear that motive, you know, right. Okay. Burr's about to come back on. We're about to move into a new chapter. We're about to get some new information. It, it, it was almost Pavlovian in that respect. Like, it was. I sort of sat up to attention and go, right, something important is about to happen, which hmm. is really good. There is one motif and one song I really fucking hate um, because I don't think it added that much. And I don't think in terms of sort of adding any legit yeah, legitimacy to the British side of things mm-hmm. was worth it at all. Um, we'll come into the performance later because I actually I have no bad blood towards the actor who played uh, King George the yep. Third. Is that the one? Uh, that sounds a bit right. Hang on. Uh, he played King George the Third. Yeah. Oh, good guess. Right. So yeah, no bad blood, and it was a good performance. But the British side of this, because it's so focused on the founding fathers in American history, and this is something that you know, as you know threateningly white threateningly straight and threateningly british males we are mm. we don't have much context of we, american history is not something we're really taught in schools in the no. uk so a lot of this is first-hand information for me but the british side of it was just literally it was king george reacting to things and going you're on your own you know and isn't it funny how the idiots are in charge over there with no recourse, with no interaction with that, it was just... It felt like a Family Guy cutaway gag. Okay, I'll level with you. That was my favourite part. Oh, really? <laughs> I loved every second of it. Again, I don't know, just because we're British and we are kind of looking at all these American politicians, as we still are, going, oh, oh, you silly little people. Oh, oh, bless them. So him coming in as, like, the over-the-top stereotypical British monarch saying you'll be back and saying, I'll say, come on, you must admit that I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love is a genius, genius line. It's a brilliant line. It's it's all very well written. And I must admit that even though I hate that song, that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
is everyone's motivations? Where are they all standing politically? I kind of lost it a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, the second act on its own chronicles three presidencies, which yeah. is a long-ass fucking time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I understand that because we're not American, this might not play as well to us because we have a very limited understanding of American history. I know a bit, and I must admit there are bits that even I got lost. Mm-hmm. Like it, when the, the, the whole thing opens in 1776, and I at least understand that's important, but it felt like, you know, the big moment of the tea in Boston Harbor was a one line throwaway, which to Americans, yeah, sure, obviously you understand the complexity of that issue. I think anywhere else in the world, that's like, there's, sorry, can you go back? So someone's chucked tea in her. Okay, no, we're carrying on. All right. Mm-hmm. There is a definite pace. And because of the length of the show, I actually think that works in its favor, not to its detriment. But what I think the show was trying to do and has been successful in, and probably more successful in the UK and other territories than America, is it gives you one story and then demands that you go away, research, look up other stories and look at the wider context. Mm -hmm. That really only works outside of America because I imagine a lot of people in its native country will think it understands all the complexities and all of the intricacies of that era, because mm-hmm. they were taught it in school in the same way that, you know, every British person would probably think they know everything about the Elizabethans or the Tudors or the Victorians. Um, it's the same with sort of the Revolutionary War in America, whereas we don't have that problem. We don't have that sort of languishing in the five things that we know about our own history, and especially with American history. It's something because we've ignored it for decades, because it is it's been the silly country over there full of extremists that, mm-hmm. you know, broke off because they wanted to do some weird Christian shit that we don't agree with. Yep. Now we can now we can go back and look at those stories. Like it, it's actually made me want to learn more about American history. I will say that. And that's not something I thought a rap based musical would be capable of. I thought I'd just be in it for the the production and the and the and the songs but genuinely i'd like i was annoyed because i knew a couple of things especially about uh like john adams and james madison john adams doesn't appear in the play whatsoever mm-hmm. second president of the united states completely absent james madison actually went to there's a whole bit of rap battle based around um france has called america for aid against the british mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting because James Madison actually went back to war against the British and J- John Adams, like when the, when the Americans didn't help the French in that uh, preceding war following the Re- uh, American Revolution, um, had to keep America out of war with France because they retaliated. Oh, right. So that, again, there's these little things that I know, sort of like surface level know about that I was like, I would like to have seen that, or now I know this, I would like to know more about it. I think that's a really big positive in terms of this production. I did immediately go and watch the oversimplified version of the American Civil War, just to Mm. see how often some of these people turned up. It turns out they don't really factor into the war bit all that much. They were kind of there for the action afterwards. But uh, yeah, it still seems a bit of a strange choice in terms of who to base it on in Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't really see, like, was he... They, they, they go to great lengths to kind of say he's special, but without really... Like, some interesting things happen to him, but a lot of more interesting things seem to happen to everybody else. Like, I'd much rather go and follow um, uh, Thomas Jefferson over to France whilst he's whoring around for a few years. <laughs> You know what yeah. I mean? Like he seems to be having a lot more fun than everybody else. And you know, George oh. Washington, similarly so. But they, yeah, they basically made Thomas Jefferson into a pimp, and it's the greatest thing. It's so fucking oh, it's, well he's, done. Yeah, I mean, again, King George III was my favourite, but I, I think Thomas Jefferson is probably a very close second. His introduction song to kick off the second act is probably the high point. Oh yeah, the uh, "What Did I Miss" song. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I brilliant. think that's actually what it's called, isn't it? What I miss. Yeah, I think so. Um, so w- once he comes in, I think. Uh, did I? En- I think I enjoyed the second act slightly more, just because of his presence and the energy he brings. Um, there, there seems to be a lot less um, 
filler songs in the second half. It's a bit more... Again, it's, it picks the pace up dramatically, like I said, but it's skipping over three presidencies. So it suffers in that way, but I think that kind of helps the energy stay up a bit longer where you're not dealing with, like, these weird... Like, the Room Where It Happens song... Like, I know that's actually quite, like, a standout on, like, you know, it's on the heavier rotations on all the musical playlists my girlfriend listens to. I didn't actually like that song, because that was at the point where I was like, oh, my God, can we just, can we just move it along to something more interesting, please? I don't care about political talking in a room where this one guy is not allowed. Can we just, can we just rifle this on a little bit? Maybe I'm not the most patient of people when it comes to musicals, (laughs) and I'm not just sat in the room. I get it. I, I do get. It. I actually really like. Obviously, I think this is going to be a, a review of two halves because I really like the room where it happened. Um, purely because I think, I think the bit that 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 translates the best is that. And I did watch a documentary about Hamilton this morning, actually. Um, and Lin Manuel Miranda, who plays Hamilton, wrote the play, wrote the music. And had a huge part in this getting to where it is. You know, he's already an accomplished um, composer, writer, and you know, Broadway star. And then he creates, you know, what what can only be described as the biggest musical of the past decade, I would say. Yeah. Because I'm sure Wicked was a you know an an early aughts creation. Yeah, that sounds very right. So you know, Hamilton is the next big one after that, sort of chronologically. Mm-hmm. And he he was saying that. He specifically wanted Hamilton to be a reflection of America today, telling the history of America's first day. Right. So, like, you know, all of the characters on stage would have been white, but they are played by a predominantly black cast. Mm -hmm. So I get where he's coming from with that. But with the the kind of with those people who were white and yet still classified as immigrants, especially Hamilton himself, um, classified as like a young upstart someone to watch because he'd come from nothing seems unreal in what we would now kind of think of as like the golden age of the white man's world mm-hmm. that he that he could be completely penniless but it is that is the whole the land of opportunity thing that the entire country was based upon you could go from being penniless and dying in a ditch to one of the leaders of the free world so I thought that that translated through really well. But specifically with the room where it happened, it's that idea of, and I think it was really well done um, by Leslie Odom Jr. who plays Burr in this version, because it you do have that kind of real-time dialogue with it in the sense of it is a black man saying, I'm being kept out of the decisions being made about my life in that room. Why are the doors closed? Why is this not an open discussion? So right. I, I think that the, the, there is a, a sort of a parallel modern day commentary to be had, whilst in the context of the play, it is, you know, I'm more suited to this than most people. Why am I not being involved in the conversation? But now it's more. Why is our entire race being kept out of the conversation? Which which is only which is only an after effect that can be felt sort of once it's been performed, if you know what I mean. This was. Uh-huh. As much this was as much of a problem in certain societies when this production was first put on as it is now, but now there is a greater audience for that meaning to come through, especially with what's going on this year in the fucking hellscape that is 2020. I missed the subtext as per usual, so that's good. <laughs> I was uh, you forget, Darren. This was my degree. I can do this shit. <laughs> that is a good. Point. Okay, I can talk to you about football tactics. You can talk to me about subjective musicals. <laughs> These are the things you bring to the table. Yeah, I completely missed that, and now that makes a lot more sense. Um, <laughs> oh no! Oh god! Now I'm thinking how much, how many other subtexts I missed out. Um, real quick on yeah. Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. As much as I respect him, and I really do, a man who is that big a fan of Weird Al. Um, there's all the love and adoration there is. I think he's got quite an annoying singing voice. You think? I think it's quite, it's a little grating, and it's not as finely tuned as everyone else's around him. And uh, it it feels like he, if he wasn't the person who, basically, it's like Rocky and Stallone, 
where well, Rocky wrote it and did all the stuff, but then he insisted on being cast as the lead person. I mm. think if he hadn't have wrote it and done all the stuff around it, I don't necessarily think they would have picked him to be the star, just because I don't think his voice is as strong as everybody else in there. Like, there's a few times it breaks. Now, again, I know this is a live recording, and most of the time we're listening to musicals on the movie screen, at least, they've had time to rehearse and go through the lines several, several times. I just think it wasn't, like, just small incidents. I just genuinely found his voice a bit irritating and nasally. I know myself saying someone is nasally is (laughs) incredibly fucking, like, you know, harsh, but it's it's what happened. (laughs) That's fair. I would I would actually be really interested to see this uh, on stage now and mm. not and obviously not with this cast because that's not the the version that we would get in the UK. Mm. I would be really really interested to see that. I get where you're coming from with um Lin-Manuel Miranda's performance. It's whilst good is hampered by kind of like things beyond his control. Especially when put against a cast that have a long... I'm not saying he doesn't have a long history in Broadway, because he does, but on the writing side. And then you put him next to performers that can do this shit real fucking well, and I can kind of understand where the inadequacies can be seen. Mm. Especially, I mean, my favourite person... Well, my two favourite people, actually, who I didn't think would be my favourites was... I'm just going to get his name because I want to get it right. Uh, Christopher Jackson, who played George Washington, and Rene Elise Goldsbury, who played uh, Angelica Schuyler. Like, I thought those two knocked it out of the fucking park. But, yep. you know, both of them have histories of being on long-running performances. Actually, both of them were in The Lion King. So that makes a lot oh. of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, Rene they... specifically actually played Nala, so she was one of the main people. He was. He strikes me as a Mufasa type. Uh, I think he was just in the ensemble, but I don't know specifically what he did. Uh, the only reason I know this is because I went through um, Renee Goldsbury's uh, repertoire. No. Um, he, found, he, like, was, he was like, oh shit. He was adult Simba. Ah, fair right. enough. Oh. Okay, yeah. It, that, that, let's see. It's kind of. It's 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 unfortunate that he's surrounded by so many like seasoned Broadway people that it kind of just makes him by comparison seem a little less than compared to everybody else. That's mm. fair enough. He put in enough work that it's still like a great achievement for him. It's just I think he was probably the weakest of the voices. Although that was most people put in that position would be the weakest of the voices. Yeah, totally. You look at it's a completely stacked cast of people just with years upon years of stage experience. And you can understand how how that's happened. I don't think his performance was bad, though. I think it was very good. I really Mm. enjoyed it. I think because because this is the man who kind of put together that flow of knowing the exact cadence of these words. He knows it better than anyone. So why not him? I guess. Mm -hmm. You're right, yeah, it's, you wouldn't necessarily want anyone else there, especially for it's, you know, because it, it came from off-Broadway onto Broadway, you wouldn't want anyone else there trying to tie it together, and he nails the emotions of the piece, mm. it's just, I genuinely find his, like, it, it, it's it's literally just, I find his voice to be a little whiny, and a little, it just, it's, it play playing off everyone else as frequently as they do, because it's so conversational as a musical, that just puts him in direct comparison to everybody else, and it's always a losing battle for him, I think. Yeah, they they really do have to kind of up the ante with his um, sort of flow when it comes later on to it, especially during those battle rap scenes with um, uh, David Diggs, who plays Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, because yeah. that, that dude's fucking cool. <laughs> so he right. just exudes a kind of swag. I really enjoy that dude. So, so good. Um there's so many standards so many people do a really great job it's kind of hard to narrow it down really um the shall we talk about since we're talking about the cast shall we talk about the other main character of aaron burr yeah that makes sense um the the square of a situation yes the one always just trying to ruin a good time with hamilton the maverick finance person um (laughs) yeah he was a bit of a strange Strange in a, in a kind of good way, in that he is almost by default 
the antagonist. Maybe that's why they put the King George character in there, just so you had someone who was definitely, in the context of the show, the bad guy. Mm. And Aaron Burr is less bad guy, more just adversary to the main character that we're following. Yeah. So we, we see him as a bit of friction, but they never really portray him with having bad intentions, of just his intentions are the opposite to the main character. Not necessarily bad, but they are... You know, they are. He's in some way impeding the main character from getting what we want, which kind of puts him by default in the um, antagonist role, which is a very hard balance to strike to get somebody that you. It's hard to describe. You you kind of you want Hamilton to succeed, but you don't want it to be at too much cost to Aaron Burr because you also kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah, no, they did. They do toe that line really well. And what's interesting is, is that, like you said, the way that they've set this up is that of Burr being the antagonist. Yet, when you think about it, Burr's the protagonist because the way in which it's structured is really good because of you know. Well, I actually didn't know the fate of Hamilton going into the you know the final acts. So I didn't know that that happened to him. Hang uh, on, they sing it in the first like act. Yeah, but Aaron Burr literally goes, and I'm the I'm guy the that shot him. Yeah, you, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, I didn't yeah, know yeah. That those were the events that led up to that specific thing happening. Yeah. So the fact that Burr keeps coming back and he keeps saying, he keeps asking the question, how does this bastard orphan son of a whore? And then every sort of like five songs or so, it's like, and how the fuck did he do this? And then you get the next second. And then how the fuck did he do this? Burr's the one being put upon by Hamilton at every turn, therefore uh-huh. kind of making Burr the one with the struggle to overcome, which I guess would make him the protagonist. I don't know. I mean, now I just really want to see the Frank Grimes musical. Because that's all Aaron <laughs> Burr is. He's just Frank Grimes to Hamilton's Homer. <laughs> just like, why? Like I'm literally doing everything right. And this dickhead, because he just happens to be friends with the right people, he's getting in front of me. <laughs> that was a balding yellow son of a <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. I, I don't need a safety suit. I'm Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> There's a Simpsons quote for everything. For everything. There we go. Um, but yeah, so, so that that I mean that perfectly describes the dynamic of that. Yes, you should be on his side. It's just he's not. It's not called Burr, an American musical. So no. he would otherwise be on his side. So I can see why. I can see why he actually picked up most of the awards when this was first up for the Tonys. Like he he beat Lin Manuel Miranda to the um, like the best performance. Oh, Tony. understandably, though, um, mm. like Leslie Odom Jr. is the guy who plays Burr, who, funnily enough, we've last mentioned in my pitch for the Dazzler movie. So interesting. Oh, that. yeah. He, he was the um, the 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 mum's new new husband in uh, the Hellfire he Club. I knew I'd heard that name somewhere before. Well, I'd seen I'd seen him in other stuff because he's done a lot of um, a lot of films. The last film I saw him in was Harriet because um, I was watching that in the lead up to the Oscars. Right. Uh, Dude's fucking talented, but Jesus Christ, he throws everything into this. He, he's real good. Like the, the dude's got a lot of anger to kind of portray in stages going through this production, and how much of that kind of bubbles away at the surface until sort of the last fifteen minutes, where I think it all finally comes out. Yeah, dude's talented. It is, yeah. So he, him being able to show all those emotions of just someone trying to keep a brave face despite the fact life just continually... Well, this one man keeps continually impeding him at every, like, stop. Like, the point where he thinks he's about to get endorsed by him for the presidency and Hamilton instead gives it to a noted adversary, Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Um because he just says, well, at least Thomas Jefferson believes in something. Aaron Burr doesn't believe in anything. Mm. And then you just see that the the switch flicked in the head of like, I'm just going to have to shoot this guy. I'm left with very <laughs> little options left in life. You know, if you won't politically back me, obviously the next step is just to shoot him in the face. <laughs> it's just, it's the bit where um, <laughs> when Nick Frost is loading the shotgun in hot fuzz, it's just shame. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of reasons to it, mainly because it looks like Alexander Hamilton invented the John Lennon glasses, which is worthy of being shot in the face for. 
just straight <laughs> off the bat. You don't really need anything else for inflicting those on the world, so fair enough. Oh, God. <laughs> but there we go. Um, so, yeah, um, well, this thing, I... I like that this this is the way they went about it. It was a very minimalist set as well. It's literally they don't change it at all. It's one kind of vaguely brown backdrop through a few doors and some stairs that can swivel about, but it never really feels that that's used quite well. And the lighting and the kind of frenetic movement on the stage kind of helps with that. So it's probably the best use I've ever seen of a very minimalist. Um, stage production which makes it like how exactly would you translate this to film because you'd be such stark contract to the to the musical going from literally some brown to like all the different places they'd have to shoot for a movie version yeah it's um so i guess we could have that discussion now i i i'm glad that this is the version we got Mm -hmm. rather than what we would now describe as a lame is version or a Sweeney Todd version where it is converted into a film with sets and on location shooting. I'm glad that we got this specific cast, this specific stage, this specific show. I'm glad we got that instead of a movie adaptation. Although now this exists in the world, I'm not against seeing that version. Hmm. But it's not the way I would want to have witnessed this musical firsthand. Yeah, I think it, it's the the adaptation is really for ones that have either gone out of vogue or have just been around for so long that all avid theatre people have had more than ample opportunity to go and to watch it. So Lamey's, I think, was a good candidate for it. In that it's just been around for so long that it was time to, you know take the next step but also there's the problem of like a lot of musicals now are adaptations of films mm. so you know that, that there's got to be a bit of a two-way street there and there's only so many musicals that haven't been films to begin with this would have been a prime example but i just don't think it had time to stew enough to um and it's shown that it's not a flash in the pan it's still making a lot of money it's got tours that i mean the west end when everything gets back up and running it's still running there i think it's running in germany there is an australian version there's also, it's still going quite strong, so I don't think it's going to drop off the map. Had they held out and not recorded this, there's a chance they might have eventually end up doing the movie version. But the wonderfully ironic thing is, I've read from the man himself, Lin-Manuel Miranda said, this now negates the need for a movie adaptation. And I'm kind of thankful because I don't usually like movie adaptations of musicals. My sincere hope is that his next sentence was, but please do go and watch the movie adaptation of my other musical, In the Heights, coming to theatre soon. Yeah, that, to be fair, I was about to mention, In the Heights is actually a way better candidate to be made into a movie, whereas I think Hamilton thrives on the stage. I think mm. that only works as well as it does because of the way... And I, I want to talk about how it was filmed in a little bit because I had issues. Um, but it works so well because of that minimalist set managing put, to portray... God, how many, like 50 years of, of history in all over America, mostly in like New York and that, though. Because it starts in 1776 and it finishes in 1804. So it's, it's a lot of fucking time it's got to cover mm-hmm. in a lot of places, in a lot of battles, as well as kind of having that little corner of Britain being bought in occasionally. The, I can understand how that would have worked as a film, but you would have lost the sense of, of company in that. The magic of Hamilton would have been into live performances. In the Heights, however, not as popular, didn't do as well. Why not? Why not let that be from the person who brought you Hamilton? That really good stage thing you've heard of. Now there's another musical, but this one's a film. I think that could work a lot better. I I actually think because... Weirdly enough, I actually think In the Heights would lend itself better to a filmic style because it's set mostly in kind of like a Dominican sort of mexican neighborhood sort of thing yeah i feel like you know that's that's that kind of like orange filter film you know like whenever they're in the desert in breaking bad yeah like that's yeah. how i want that film to look only it's urban like that yeah. that to me has a really distinct filmic style being brought through that hamilton doesn't have because it's meant to be on a stage that's a good point see it's 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 things like this make me worried for uh they're trying to do Book of Mormon, apparently, 
as I as I mm. read the adaptation, and I'm I not sure how I feel about that. I I worry for that because they're gonna have to take the edge off a few of the songs, otherwise it's it's I don't see an 18 rated musical going particularly well, um, and people are gonna be I'm surprised more people aren't up in arms about some of the song choices in Book of Mormon anyway. So that. <laughs> like, but, fuck you, God. Like fuck you, God. I will. I will. You know, this take this asshole Matumbo. He <laughs> fucked a baby, etc. <laughs> That's I. I can't see how they're going to get away with that on film. But um, yeah, it's also that I don't know how well the the comedy is going to translate. Because I mean, that is my gold standard of musical. I've never seen anything that's better than Book of Mormon. Mm. So I, I, oh God, I worry about that. But. At least this one, we don't have to worry... Well, if you were a massive fan of Hamilton, you don't have to worry about if it was going to translate well. You couldn't have got a better translation to a film version than this. And I wouldn't be surprised if more... Especially if this thing goes on longer, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing a few more like this crop up. Because I know they are working on a Wicked adaptation as well. They might see the success of this and say, screw it, should we just record what we do already and put it out on a streaming service and make all the money that way? Honestly, that might be the best route for it. You think about, I mean, I've worked Wicked. I, I've worked backstage on that musical. I've seen how big that fucking show is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you need a screen version of it. I think just film that. In the Heights is a different thing because I think I feel like you could make that into a bigger show than it already was. Yeah. Whereas it would be diminishing returns on Wicked. The, you know, it's we talk about the magic of theatre because it's there's so much shit you don't see that makes it whereas yeah. you know that that's the fun if you just replace everything with cg it's just not it's not as cool it's easily explained there's no you know there's no trickery there's nothing there's no substance weirdly though the last time i can remember a recorded version of a stage show being this popular was uh, the 1998 taping of les mis mm-hmm. so if if we see a sudden resurgence in stuff like that, awesome, fantastic. The last good musical movie was Sweeney Todd, so that's been a good ten years since that now. God, it's been longer. I think that came out in two thousand eight. Oh fuck, I'm old. Um, that sounds about right. I can't think of any other musicals that I would prefer. No, you're probably right about that one. So I mean, we have got a few more. Like we've got in the Heights, we've got Steven Spielberg's West Side Story is coming. Because Spielberg's just, he's, he's gone on a weird tangent in his later years of mm. Ready Player One and then a movie adaptation, the BFG. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what they're feeding him at the minute, but he's, he's gone off on one. Stephen, take your pills, what's going on? <laughs> we already have a film version of West Side Story, we don't need another. Especially with Ansel Elgort, who's, um, let, shall we say, fallen from grace a little bit now. Problematic. Yeah, yeah very problematic. Oh, it's a weird time to be alive, isn't it, Darren? It very much is. But at least we've got this and some new content to talk about. (laughs) Good God. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we sort of wrap this up? Not really, no. Um, Again, I thought I'd have all of my musical knowledge has come in the last five years. Um, Previous to that, I don't think I would have been caught dead in a musical. I've seen quite a few now. I, if. Again, not seeing it live, there's a bit of a dissonance. There's a bit of a... I don't know if I'd feel differently if I was there in person over to seeing it recorded. Yeah, just oh, don't know. Fuck yeah, before we go, can I talk about how this was filmed? Because there's a few things I really want to talk about with this. So, there's a lot going on on that stage. Like, a fucking lot. There's a big ensemble. They've got, like, a rotunda in the middle of the thing um, that has two separate moving sections, which makes for some incredible fucking movements on the stage. Mm. And then a lot of this film, I would say, there's quite a lot of songs in this, and I would say for about 75% of those songs, there is at least one or two reaching up to about 10, like forced in extreme close-up shots where we really lose what the company's doing. That is a, it makes for a really good, you know, a really good film, and we can actually get more of the, the individual characters facial expressions which for certain moments i understand why that was put in but it is egregious to a point to me that they spent so much time on individual close-ups rather than showing what the company are doing especially because then it's then obscured by the way that it's framed 
So that yeah. really boiled my piss. There's a great song um, uh, called The Hurricane. And this in the background, you can see that they've got the entire set of this man's um, like writing desk just like being held up by the cast behind him as it rotates around him. It's so well done. As, and um, oh, what's it fucking called? Satisfied, which is uh, Angelica's big song, which Jesus Christ, that was well done. But they do this whole motif of rewinding through time to explain that she was in love with him the entire time he was marrying his sister. And it's so well staged and I couldn't see all of it. I was so annoyed. Like I just for me, really, I, I am I am in the minority of being a stage purist. But for me, it, all you needed was a was a straight on shot, one from the left, one from the right, three cameras. It's fucking easy. I liked what they did with the dolly work and the um, the close-ups and the pickup shots from behind showing the audience. Fair enough. Fair, I just want to fucking see the stage. I want to see what you're doing with every inch of that set. This isn't a film. Like, it is a film, but it's not primarily a film. Mm. And, and I feel like trying to make it too much of a film, for me personally, detracted a little bit. I don't know how you felt about it, though. I, I do feel they they are missing a trick in having an option to just watch the hard camera of just not even like with the left and right you're just watching the main camera at the back with the full scope of the of the stage mm. so that people like yourself who do want that just proper pure in the theater experience could have that but I think they would argue that for, for everyone that would be of an appeal to you would lose a lot of people who want that extra kind of above and beyond for a film. They were planning to release this theatrically. They had this, they, they brought the rights to the footage a few years ago and they were apparently planning to put this out around Christmas time next year. Yeah. So they, they had it in the bag and they had plans for it. Obviously all this kicked off and they, and they shuffled things around a little bit. I think if it had made it to theatres, you couldn't have just had it be the three camera setup. It has to have that extra or whatever beyond to kind of justify it being in theatres because then otherwise oh, yeah. you could just say well I'm just watching the musical again what's the difference between this and the musical which I would argue about £135 is the difference so you know it would have <laughs> yeah. uh, you know th the, there's that the difference between a £200 ticket and a £6 subscription to Disney Plus you know? yeah, I mean, or, or even like a cinema ticket which I know are quite expensive well they're not expensive at the minute they're uh quite cheap which yep. is good but you can't watch anything <laughs> other than stuff you've already seen 30 times so there's <laughs> did, you that. See, did you see that um this week's number one box office in the america is uh the empire strikes back i mean it, it was that that kicked jurassic park off the top of the list <laughs> so I, I i've never wanted to live in america more than i maybe not currently do because i mean the chimp is still in charge but film wise they're they're killing it it's going to be Terminator 2 next week or Die Hard. It's oh. just, it's the best. But, um, yeah, so I, I get where you're coming from. I do. And I wish, you know, with streaming, there's options to have, you know, alternate takes. You could have had one that was literally just the one camera feed from the one dead center of the upper bowl. You know what I mean? You could have had that. But I, I, I see why they, they made the choices they did. It, it's not that it's filmed bad. What strikes me, actually, is that it's very filmic, yet it's directed by the guy who directed the stage performance. So Thomas Kale, I think his name is, that dude's got a lot of directing talent, hmm. but I would have liked to have seen him take on an actual film. I think it would be it would be very interesting to see him direct the film adaptation of In the Heights. I don't know who's attached to do that. If it is Thomas Kale, I'm very interested because he does do a very good job. But I just think it undermines the medium which is being presented. And to to kind of play off the back of what you just said as well, it's on Disney Plus. It's on streaming services. After watching the two hours and 40 musical, I was offered two separate documentaries about Hamilton, both at 45 minutes each. So they've got the system in place to recommend you watch more content. Why not have an option of, OK, you've watched the made for theatres version. Here's the full stage version. Like, it would cost them nothing. It's just one angle. Surely, surely that could be a thing. I don't know. T uh, feel free to run with these notes and uh, do something interesting with it, Disney. Real quick, uh, the guy 
directing in the heights is the same guy that did crazy rich asians okay that's interesting as well as such um film oh wow how he ever got the money to do crazy rich asian i don't know because his other stuff includes step up 3d gem and the holograms and justin bieber never say never wow okay so that a man that is a man who failed upwards fair play to him <laughs> that is a glow up if ever there was Jesus. wow that uh, don't know how i feel about that now actually <laughs> how do you survive gem and the holograms and justin bieber on your record and two step-up movies to somehow fair play the man knows how to play the game well done Surely, um yeah. but yeah so kind of in closing like i'm saying it's it's the way i would have preferred to see it I, I don't know if my i really would have been excited to go and watch a two and a half hour long movie in the cinema about american history for a, a musical i had no real attachment to and wasn't overly familiar with i hadn't heard any of these songs prior to watching this movie I think it hit me about where I thought it would do in terms of expectations. I mean, if you were to listen to only the hype coming out from a few years ago, you would have thought this is the greatest musical of all time. It's not that. It's it's not... It's, I don't think it's trying to be that either. It's not that ambitious in its kind of staging, in its musical or anything like that. It's just trying to be a kind of run-of-the-mill musical for me. And that kind of way it sits. I admire all the talent going to it, and there's a lot of very strong individual performances but i think i admire it more so than i kind of actively enjoyed watching it i didn't lose my attention at all which is pretty good for a musical but i i, I can't really say it's it's going to factor into any of my discussions over what my favorite musicals are that's fair enough although it probably will break your top 10 films this year which is interesting yep by default this is probably going to lodge um higher than star wars the last jedi did a few years ago somehow so that's <laughs> So that's good. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so kind of where I sit on this is that this is as close to the purest view of this musical you can get. So I'm very happy with just having easy access to an incredibly detailed production. And it being the original cast is such a big boon. I think whilst there are things that I think stage purists will kind of not feel so hot on, that being the way in which the pickup shots were introduced into the action because uh, in, I was looking over this, how this was built and it's built off three. They've kind of mashed together the best bits of three separate um, filmings of, of the production on stage and then inserted these close-ups, dollies and pickup shots. So it's very well edited and very well put together for a theatrical version of a stage show. And I think in terms of those, this is the apex of it. This is the best it's been done in terms of literally plonking a stage show in a movie theatre. I have to give it the benefit of the doubt that this is a theatrical cut. But you do kind of lose a couple of the best elements of this show. And that is, whilst the set is very minimal, the way that they utilise the space is so goddamn creative. And I cannot fault one single one of these performances. I, I've got names I intend to follow to new productions out of this now. So I think I got as much enjoyment out of this as I possibly could have. And yeah, I think Hamilton is actually one of the better musicals to uh, to come out of the past couple of years. I, I think it's incredibly unique in the kind of setting it takes on. So, hmm. you know, more historical musicals don't tend to do very well you know musicals that are works of fiction tend to do a lot better so it's already in a niche of its own by being as historically historically accurate as can be allowed and then it's a rap musical which are few and far between and mm -hmm. i think it actually does that the best of the ones that i'm aware of so yeah hats off i think hamilton's a fantastic production this is still in my top 10 for the year it ain't going to go very high because there are obviously films up there that are by virtue of being actual film productions that are going to win over this. But I I really love this. Uh, I do want to watch it again, actually. Uh, the, the, mm -hmm. the second it finished and it was a it's a long production, but I did want to see it again. And I, it does have that effect for me that it did in uh, 2015 when it came on Broadway of I do want to tell people to go and watch it. I would mm. recommend this quite highly to people if they're even sceptical just to give it a go because it is so unique.
and I just yeah. I just really love it. So yes, it's a yes from me. It's, it's just a shame that it came out in the same few weeks as you know a superior musical on a streaming service as well. That being. Uh, Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga. I've not obviously. fucking watched that yet. Oh, I need to do that. I forgot um, that came out. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, I no. wouldn't rush. It's, <laughs> it's largely shite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're coming from the biggest Eurovision apologist of them all, but even I was losing some concentration. It's like, oh, Will Ferrell's powers have dimmed, haven't they? Wow. Oh. Uh, it's, it's, I'll be it honest, feels... I, I want to watch that just to see how many actual previous Eurovision people they got into it oh they did in they got it all done in one section basically oh shit they have they have the bit that clearly like because Eurovision basically paid for this movie Mm. themselves so there's clearly the bit that they stepped in and went this is the bit that we want it's not going anywhere put it in there so (laughs) that happens um because like FIFA occasionally make movies as well that make FIFA out to be the good guy and can not in any way bad move FIFA at the height of their corruption. It was doing this. It's kind <laughs> of the same with you. I'm not saying Eurovision is corrupt. You know, if you listen to, if you see how many points we've gained over the years, you could probably make an argument they're biased, but they're definitely not corrupt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they. I, I was really actually hyped for this. I thought it's got Will Ferrell, it's got Amy McAdams, it's got a lot of people I like. It's got um, oh, what's his name? He played the Beast in the live action Beauty and the Beast one. Luke uh, Evans. He's, uh, yeah, that's him. He was in... No, that's Gaston. Um, that's Gaston, he's, sorry. Uh, he's in Legion. He's the main guy in Legion. Oh, God, I'm um, going to look it up. He, he's, the, he's the best part of the movie as the Russian entry um, who has stylized himself on a, an effeminate lion. And oh, Dan Stevens. That's him. He's the best bit of that movie. Everything else is kind of... It felt like it was right there, and if this was ten years ago, Will Ferrell, I feel like it would have been a better film. But it's just, it's it's not good. It's not good. I'm joking, of course. Hamilton is better than. I don't feel it's a controversial statement to say that Hamilton is better than Eurovision: The Story of Fire Saga. But I mean, my girlfriend liked it, and she doesn't like Will Ferrell. She actually liked it more than I did. So oh, I don't know. know. It might be a, it might be a fighting with your family situation where I'm too deep in my Eurovision love that I can't accept anything less than perfect so oh no I think I'm going to be right there with you I'm deep on the Eurovision love as well <laughs> I mean so it was nice to have it this year of all years where we didn't have Eurovision we at least got something but they lose points of having both the Israeli cat lady who won a few years ago the annoying the one that had all the little cats in the background oh the, Netta yeah her she's in it for a second and oh and it also had the really weepy Portuguese guy with the piano so, who sings like this. And it's so oh, Salvador Sobral. He's in it as yeah. well. And oh, don't remind me of bad Eurovision, please, God. Um, they have they have handsome uh, Swedish kid in there. So that's good. But, but so excess, the excessively um, handsome Swedish lad who looks a bit like Justin Bieber. The, ooh, hang on. With the, with the fiddle. He might not be Swedish. That's Alexander Ryback. He's from Norway. Uh, obviously, I meant Norwegian. Yeah. Okay, maybe you know more about Eurovision than I do. <laughs> Mate, honestly, I think I do. <laughs> oh, does that mean I'm going to hate the movie more than you? Uh, it, it stands to reason. Okay, if can, love can... of Eurovision is inverse to liking of this movie, then yeah, you're not going to like it. Okay, can we officially put this on the docket? Maybe next week, maybe the week after, we will review this movie. Or maybe I'm going to have to try and remember what happened. <laughs> that mean i've got to make you watch it again <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll skim i'll skim i'll read the i'll read the cliff someone's wrote a synopsis of it somewhere god help them uh, i'll read that I'll, oh okay i remember now thanks um media you're very welcome cool so that was uh some new media to review we didn't have to pitch anything or do any work you just have to watch something so that was a nice change that was nice um, so coming up uh we have stuff is starting to come back so it's tenuous but it seems like in the next month or so, we may have Tenet, we may have Mulan. Now I think Mulan's moved again, hasn't it? I'm not sure about Mulan, but Tenet, I think, is now launching in August rather than July. Right, but still, stuff might eventually start happening. Well, there are actually new movies out in the cinemas right now. It's just a shame it's like Blackwater Abyss, a shark movie I'd have no interest in. Uh, I'm, I'm good. We have got Umbrella Academy Season 2. Is we have. In a couple of weeks. Fuck yes. So we've got that to look forward to. 
Um, we've got Ghost of Shima is arriving um, uh, of this Friday. Uh, that's coming. Damn. There may be a bit of a delay on that because obviously games take longer to to get through, but we that's still something. Because it was getting to the point where I was like, I'm just going to have to do a season review of West Bromwich Albion. We're running out of so much stuff. <laughs> I might just have to sit here and pick that apart, which Christ, no one we, wants to hear. We, we might have to watch Scoob. I know it's the oh, running joke. Oh, no. The, you know what really irks me about Scoob? And it's something I realised the other day. Because so and it's few, called Scoob? That, but because there's been so few movies coming out, that might actually win the best animated movie at the Oscars. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's I don't want to be in that timeline. It, no, it, don't worry. <laughs> Picks onwards technically came out after the Oscars, and they're never, ever 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 going to give it to scoob over something pick even if it's pixar's lesser films they're not going to give it to scoob over that oh, christ I, I forgot about onward like it's on yeah, my top me too. 10 i forgot about it <laughs> me too um so yeah hopefully things are changing all the time but cinemas are at least open now there is a chance of us being able to actually review films on the film review podcast other than musical adaptations although this one is still good recommend yes so Let's do the ending then. Right, so you can go and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at that might go, and you can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at the Guttridge. You can follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the username FowlyNT. That's F O U L E N T. Find us on Spotify, find us on Apple Podcasts, find us on SoundCloud, and wherever you get your RSS feeds under the username FowlyNT or FowlyNT Podcast, depending on your service. And we will see you in the next episode where hopefully. It's a new film that we've seen in cinemas. Bye, everybody. Bye.